It's a big week, so let's get right to it on The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. It's school holiday time and we're talking Dora and the Lost City of Gold. Dora, it's high school. And just be cool. Okay, what is this? Scavenger hunt list. Team up in groups of four. Hola, Dora. Will help us find the lost city of gold. Abominable. You can do magic? Whoa! This is impossible! This is amazing! Abominable. And ugly dolls. Good morning, Uglyville! Hello, gorgeous. Let's check out how you look today. Short and stubby, nubby teeth out on full display. Your pinkish red got this thing on your head, and whoa. Girl, you couldn't look better. And something for the parents, too, with Ad Astra. What's happening out there could threaten our entire solar system. We're counting on you. I'm ready. Nothing can prepare you for what's out there. Rambo Lost Blood. I've lived in a world of death. I've watched people I've loved die. Some fast with a bullet. Some not enough left to bury. Yeah, I'm gonna take my horse to the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't go. And good boys. You cannot go to a kissing party not knowing how to kiss. I have an idea. If we don't get to that party, I'll die. I'm fine. You're here. Oh, hell no. Good boys. That's this week on The Cinema Crew. Hello and welcome to The Cinema Crew, the podcast that talks new movies every week. My name is Michael Campbell, but because we're friends, you can call me Cambo. And joining me as always is Vary McIntyre. Hello. And Dan Miranda. Hey. Now your chance to win a gold class double pass coming up just a little later on. Well, we've got a lot of movies to get through, but let's start with the kids films. We're onto something big, Dora. An ancient city made of gold, parapata. And your mother and I are going to prove it. And me. I'm sorry, sweetie, you're not going. What? Being around kids your own age might help. It's high school. And just be cool. Okay, what is this? Oh. Scavenger hunt list. Team up in groups of four. Hola, Dora. Will help us find the lost city of gold. Come with me if you want to live. I live with your parents. You're all in danger. We're gonna die out here. There's no need to overreact. She knows this monkey. I have to keep going no matter what. I think we're safe. Not safe. Not safe. Not safe. In the last few years, Hollywood has discovered we love things from our childhood adapted to the big screen. And now the latest in the line is Dora and the Lost City of Gold, based on the ever popular, though admittedly after my time, television series. Is there still fun to be had with Dora and her friends? Oh, Dora has heaps of fun. <laughs> so, again, for me as well, Dora and the Explorer is a bit past my time. I was a bit old to enjoy the phenomenon. Yeah, I um, only ever enjoyed it via my youngest sister. So I'm like mm. tangentially aware of the characters <laughs> but not really like 
what they're about. Blue's Clues mm. was more my genre. Right, yeah. yeah, but it's in the same <laughs> vein time. as Blue Clues. I yeah, would say. definitely. Blue's Clues. Mm. So with this movie, it's a bit of a bridge between the original Dora the Explorer and the new series that they've started, the spin-off Dora and Friends. And the movie starts out with Dora as the original six-year-old, as we know from the animated TV series, and then it transitions to her being a teenager and her parents have gone off into the jungle to find this lost city of gold called Parapata and Dora's left behind uh, and then she gets kidnapped by some people who are after her parents and she has to escape with her friends and find and save her parents. Oh, and it's a plot of Spy Lost Kids. City. Yeah. <laughs> is it? Yeah, it is. Oh, yeah. There you go. So what I think they've done well with Dora at the Lost City Gold, so it's by James Bobbin who mm-hmm. directed a lot of Flight of the Concords and he directed the Muppets movie. Um, and all of those things are very self-aware of, mm. of what they are. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that they have lent into Dora and the Lost City of Gold being quite self-aware yes. that Dora the Explorer isn't a very cinematic thing and it's no. kind of a little, like it's a children's TV series where she talks to the camera and stuff like that. And yeah. they've just accepted that as a thing and made fun of it a little bit and got past it, I think is a clever idea. Yeah, that switch between animation where that's more acceptable and into live action where if someone turns and talks to the camera, yeah. it's going to be weird. It's not the office. <laughs> so because Dora goes to live with her cousin in LA and she has to go to school and she's only been by herself in the jungle with like a pet monkey boots uh, for most of her life. So she is definitely the class weirdo. She's super happy. She breaks into song and everyone's like, what is her deal? <laughs> She's the most optimistic you could imagine yeah. any character being. And I love that thing of translating like the character of Dora the Explorer, but putting her into the real world. And everyone's just like, what is wrong with this person? Yeah. Like, <laughs> this is so weird. It Stop breaking strange. out to song. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I want to say that the actress who plays Isabella Mona, yes. she uh, portrays her in such a way that you you cannot help but love the character. Yeah. Even yeah. though it's so sickly sweet, she does it in a way that, I don't know, just really is believable. And <laughs> I was actually thinking whilst watching it, if this was made 10 to 15 years ago, Vanessa Hudgens would be Dora. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've yeah. been kind of a, like sycophantic with Isabella. Yeah, we love Isabella. We, we've you love reviewed her. two other movies that she starred in, Sicario 2 mm-hmm. and Instant Family, and both times we've singled her out for praise mm. each time as being really, really good. So I'm glad that she's now like the lead in movies as well. Right? Yeah, and she's going for different genres as well, covering all bases. So who do you think should see this film? Yeah, I think this is going to be for anyone who's a fan of the original animated series and because the humour does lean towards a bit of toilet humour, a bit of literal humour and it includes a scene where there's some flower spores uh, that they turn into an animated character. Uh, <laughs> yeah, go on a bit of a trip. Yeah, go on a trip. <laughs> um, I think that there'll be jokes. And yeah, humour for the adults. Exactly. Yeah, it's the only live action children's film out for the school holidays. So if you don't want to see any animated movies, this one's going to be a real fun one. I don't know where you came from, but I will make sure you get home. Gee, are you crazy? I don't care if you think I'm crazy. He's not dangerous. Look at him. He's just a kid. There are people looking for you. Go faster! You can do magic? This is impossible. This is amazing. Abominable. Remember 1998? The year that gave us not one but two movies about asteroids coming to hit the Earth? What about 2012? The year that gave us two competing Snow White movies. 
Well, 2019 is officially the year of the Yeti, and Abominable is the third. Yes, the third movie about Yetis. And since we've seen them all, how does this one stack up? <laughs> Have we seen them all? Um, so Abominable, obviously, about a Yeti. Yes. Um, Missing Link, about yes. a Yeti. And the third film. Smallfoot. Yeah. Smallfoot. Was <laughs> yeah. that this year? Yeah, oh in the very, very beginning, yeah. yeah. Well, if you're a fan of all those, <laughs> those previous films, you'll... You'll love Abominable. Now, the story here is about a girl named Yi and her two friends, Peng and Jin, who return a magical Yeti back to his family atop Mount Everest. And I like how the main character, Yi, is a violinist and I believe that the Yeti is magical and when she plays her violin and he hums, there are some magical things that happen, including a giant field of blueberries, I believe. Yes, yeah. Yeah. All all kinds of like kind of magical realism Mm. intertwined with music. So this is, uh, we talked even just a few weeks ago about the different animation studios. This one is DreamWorks, Dreamworks so yes. Shrek and How to Train mm. Dragon and stuff. And what they're very good at is noticing what Pixar's been doing lately. <laughs> and I am getting vibes of both Coco in there a little bit yep. and as well as uh, Moana. Oh. That's not Pixar necessarily, but Disney. I was going to say Kubo and the Two Strings with yes, the musical yeah. magic. But it's, a, it's also something about like a culture that's not represented on screen very much being yeah. the actual main protagonist of the film and exploring that person's heritage is play a big part in animated films lately. And this seems to be kind of jumping on that trend as well. For sure. Yeah, because even with Missing Link and Smallfoot, both set in Nepal, not one Asian character appeared in those films. And this one is specifically about them trekking through China, the landscape and the culture, and the characters are Chinese. So I quite like that uh, even though we've had two other Yeti films this year alone, this one actually is, even though the plot overall somewhat similar return to yeti to where he belongs is actually delivering something new and i i like the the different culture part of it i think mm-hmm. that's a really interesting and genuine way to do it mm. but also the integration of music seems like a really fun kind of like it just has a little more depth to it the director of this film jill colton she actually has worked for disney pixar before and i think she um actually did some of the story um for both bugs life and toy story mm. and so she, you can tell that she's like you know she knows this world of yeah. animation very well and she knows what a good story makes. So um, I believe that this is going to be, you know, to the level of Pixar. And when I say that DreamWorks likes to see what Pixar are doing, apparently it's working with their directors and just <laughs> bringing them across. <laughs> exactly. So who do you think should see Abominable? I think if you're fans of Smallfoot and Missing Link, you're going to yeah. love this film. Yeah, jump on the train with us. Watch yes. all the Yeti films. Yes. It's going to be a Yeti marathon. Oh, <laughs> Or if you're a fan of um, even Trolls. Because this looks as colourful as that film as well. Yeah, it's got that different animation style where everything looks cute and fuzzy and it Mm. doesn't need to rely on big name stars to voice them and that different aspect to it with the characters and the magic and music and everything to it. Ugly Dolls is a computer animated film based on a toy I've never heard of. So you might ask why I'm cautiously optimistic about this. Well, it also happens to have input from the godfather of independent filmmaking, Robert Rodriguez, director of Desperado, Sin City, and most recently, Alita. So can his input possibly make this better than it sounds? 
That shocked me when I and saw that too. credit. Because <laughs> I love Planet Terror. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I will say this. Robert Rodriguez also responsible for Shark Boy and Lava Girl. Oh, oh. There we go. So there we go. That's more in line. He tends to actually make some films for him and some films for his kids. Okay. And then the screenplay is by Alison Peck and this is her first IMBD credit for what I can see. So they've got an interesting mix of people at the helm of this one but a huge star cast for this one. Um, Ugly Dolls is about the colourful, happy world of Ugly Dolls and the main character Moxie longs to be someone's toy. So she leaves town with some friends and they end up in the Institute of Perfection and there's all these really pretty dolls that they have to compete with and they have to pass all these tests and then they can enter the real world. <gasps> What message is this story telling us? <laughs> yeah, so this is an interesting one. It's obviously about the underdog, the ugly dolls, who, which they're not even that ugly. They're, not, they're, they're still quite cute. pretty cute, yeah. Mm. It's just the reject toys that um, on the production line didn't meet standard and they get picked up by this claw and sent through this shoot and they just end up in this happy world of ugly dolls. See, the thing is I can see what they're doing as well because the Lego movie actually proved that you can make a movie out of a product yes. that is okay. And and what the Lego movie did, which I think was quite clever, is take the ethos of Lego, which is that it's all about creation and things don't necessarily have to be perfect. You can make whatever you want mm -hmm. and, and that's that's good. And they put that as the theme of the movie. And you can see that Ugly Dolls is trying to do something similar. Like what what is the idea of Ugly Dolls? They're supposed to be kind of outcast, but maybe like your perfections are what make you perfect and things like that as a theme. But I don't know if it lands in the same way that something like the Lego movie does, well, where I think it actually worked quite cleverly in the Lego movie. It seems a little on the nose here. And I think with Lego, obviously people know what it is because it's so famous, but yeah, I, yeah. I don't think many people know what an Ugly Doll is. No, like, I didn't. I just thought it was like the ugly fruit of the shop that you get for cheaper. <laughs> Well, again, it's it's my younger sister's generation. Oh. I I, rem I remember ugly dolls as a thing, but it's kind of like making a movie out of Beanie Babies. Mm, like they kind of came true. and they weren't. I shouldn't give them uh, ideas. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, that's great. <laughs> but they kind of. Mm. I I swear to God, I reckon in ten years we're gonna get a pop vinyl movie. I say that right now. Oh, so oh, I, I I, it's it's like a trend that kind of came, but also went. Like I haven't seen an ugly doll. To be fair, I haven't been in Toy Store for many years, but I haven't seen an ugly doll in pop culture in a long time. No. So it seems like a weird thing to bring out. But it's the universal themes and that particularly Australian audience is like of rooting for the underdog. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's the story of how the ugly dolls, they're pretty confident and comfortable in their own skin. They don't think they're that ugly. They know they're ugly, but they're okay with it sort of message. But then when they go to the Institute of Perfection and there's these dolls that all look pretty similar, they've got a bit of different hairstyles and skin colour and stuff like that, but they're all pretty much uniform and they have to pass all these tests. And obviously the ugly dolls are never going to fit in and they're trying really hard and sort of doing it their own way and like failing. So they just sort of come to this realisation that, Maybe they're okay being who they are mm. and teaching the pretty dolls that they should accept ugly dolls. So who do you think should see ugly dolls? I believe people under the age of seven. <laughs> <laughs> That's very specific. <laughs> yeah, it is very much for younger kids because of the great soundtrack. It's a very quick movie, which is great. And it's so bright and colourful. I think it's the most colourful film I've seen in a while. So that is definitely going to capture young children's imaginations. Also, still in cinemas, Angry Birds 2. The birds are back and so are the pigs, and so is someone else. 
and Downton Abbey. One and a half years after the finale of the TV series, we are back at Downton Abbey and they are being visited by the King and Queen. Yes, you can hear about both of those movies and, in fact, every movie that is in cinemas right now in our back catalogue, which you can access from whichever podcast app you Well, enough about kids' movies. Let's get into something for the parents or teenagers or adults or anyone, really. I do what I do because of my dad. He gave his life for the pursuit of knowledge. Because up there is where our story's gonna be told. We're doing big things up here, real big. What did he find out there in the abyss? The enemy up here not a person or a thing. It's the endless void. The world awaits our discovery, my son. Ad Astra is a mystery. Filmed all the way back in 2017, the film has had several delays and little in the way of trailers or story details released. But... Boasting a Palm d'Or winning director and a top-notch cast led by Brad Pitt, is this a hidden gem or an elaborate cover-up? This could be seen as a hidden gem in a <laughs> in a black sky. Uh, do you know Ad Astra actually means to the stars in Latin? Ah. So I think that's, you know, if they called it to the stars, would people see it more yeah. so? But um, no, I actually really thought it was... Uh, Metaphorically and literal story. Yeah. You've space movies are ripe for that kind of stuff. <laughs> 2001 A Space Odyssey, Solaris, Interstellar. They're always about something a lot deeper. Definitely. So the, the premise is Clifford McBride, he goes missing in space and 30 years later his son Roy must travel to space to discover the truth of his father's doomed expedition that now threatens the universe. And Clifford, of course, played by Tommy Lee Jones. Mm. Correct. And his son, Brad Pitt. Roy, correct, yes. Um, and it's set obviously in the future. And it was amusing to see because he has to go on a public flight to the moon just to make sure that no one knows that this is a secret top top (laughs) secret mission. And um, it's like flying Virgin Australia to the States. Like (laughs) he wanted to buy a pillow and uh, for a pillow to the moon, it's $125. So it's it's interesting to see, you know, even though it's set in the future, there are parallels. The moon is like a commodity that they're just selling. Yeah. And then once they get there, they've got to go to the dark side of the moon to get onto a rocket to then go to Mars and, you know, they deal with pirates. So it's it's very interesting because... You're making it sound pretty action-packed and it is definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing with space movies. I feel like they generally fall into two categories. You've got your gravity, which is kind of more of an action-packed drama, Mm. and then you've got your deeper character studies. And, in fact, there was a movie, a French movie called Solaris, got remade with um, George Clooney in the uh, mid-2000s, and that is quite a slow-paced character piece. Mm, And space is a really good kind of – it isolates people a lot and it's it's a good metaphor for, Mm. you know. And this seems to be further into that territory but maybe trailer to look like it's further to the other. Yeah, it's definitely giving me vibes of 2001 Space Odyssey, mm-hmm. Gattaca, and I'd say Blade Runner as well, oh, like yeah. the um, the newer one. Yes. That but but all, all, all movies about like humanity and questioning mm. what it is to be and these deeper sure. themes. But it's 
Yeah, it's a very simple storyline. This is what got me that it's like all these things are happening and it's not very action-packed. It's very thoughtful and artistic. Mm -hmm. And what it boils down to is a son who wants to reconnect with his father and they've just decided to set it in space. Yeah, It's a very simple story but all of these things that are happening to make the character, I don't know, it's this descent into madness and yet his realisation of his own humanity Uh and you'll understand what I mean when you go see it because it's this definite character arc that has a complete 180 um, that's realised throughout the whole film at the expense maybe of the plot. Yeah. Because they start out with a a reason for him to go on this journey and to, for him to find his father. And that's not really fully resolved. And maybe that's sort of the mystery of this sort of film, but that for me was a bit disappointing. It was definitely the character story that Brad Pitt goes through and fabulous job that he did at it. Please describe your current emotional state. I'm steady, calm. Ready to do my job to the best of my abilities. I will remain calm. I will remain focused. You look just like your dad there. He was the first man to the outer solar system. He was a pioneer. There was much more to him than that. This, so this is directed by a guy called James Gray. He made a film a couple of years ago called The Lost City of Z. Uh, you should check it out for two reasons. One, because if you like The Lost City of Z, it'll give you a vibe of what this film is because that also a movie about explorers but more, again, an introspective study mm. of you know humanity and things like that. Also great Robert Pattinson performance, but I think that you should know what to expect when you're going into a movie like Mm. this because it's not gravity. Yeah. My other theory is the last time we saw an astronaut, Tommy Lee Jones, was the movie Space Cowboys. Could this be a belated sequel to Space Cowboys? (laughs) His character at the end of Space Cowboys drifted off into space, never to be seen again, and it's the sequel no one expected. Blurry space. (laughs) (laughs) So who should see Ad Astra? If you are an introspective person, I think this film will appeal to you in some way. If you enjoy cinema, I think this film will appeal to you. There's a lot of, as Vyra mentioned, beautiful cinematography and I think that alone will keep you engaged. Even though it may not as be action-packed as the trailer says, you'll enjoy it. It's definitely a character piece with a slow-burning plot, kind of like 2001 Space Odyssey or Blade Runner 2049. So if you like those sorts of films... That's what this fits into. I'm having a party tomorrow. Ewan, you do not want to go to the party not knowing how to kiss. My parents have a CPR doll. We can practice kissing on that. Stop! You can't kiss someone without their permission. Picture this. I'm a... I found all these weapons in my parents' closet. The knobbies? Who's that? Uh... It's my mom back there. Hiya. Good boys. Are you a pedophile? Do I look like a pedophile? You look more like a pedophile than anyone I've ever seen. In cinema, September 19. Many people have claimed over the last few years that the mainstream comedy is dead. Movies like Booksmart and Longshot may have been favourites on our show, but the box office receipts have not managed to generate much to write home about. However, the Seth Rogen-produced Good Boys has managed the impossible. It came out number one at the American box office last weekend. So does that mean the comedy is back? 
This one is a unique uh, <laughs> film and it's especially funny because we're talking about uh, the three films that for kids at the beginning and right. then this one we've classed into the adult films. Mm. But it is about kids yes. who aren't even old enough to see this one. Yeah, yeah. I like that's been a big part of their marketing <laughs> yes. campaign is the stars of this movie cannot see this movie. <laughs> As you know, I'm one of the producers on your film Good Boys and I'm here to tell you that you can't see the movie. What? There's a ton of violence. Nobody's Language is just straight up terrible. What the f And even though you can do it, you can't watch yourselves do it. What if we just did a family-friendly version of Good Boys? That would be four seconds long. But is it confusing for kids coming up to the school holidays that oh, they'd want to sure. see a kids movie <laughs> with kids in it that they're going to relate yeah. to, but it's they about, can't? It's about good boys. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's about three 12-year-old boys who skip school and end up on an adventure that involves drugs, sex, frat boys... You name it. The classic Seth Rogen comedy tropes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Let's so, do one of his films but with kids. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's definitely getting comparisons to Superbad and I can definitely see that. And you did mention Booksmart as mm -hmm. well, Cambo. Yep. That's what I thought as well, but for 12-year-olds. So it's definitely this coming-of-age story for these tweens. They're coming into their sexuality. They're learning about drugs and uh, what uh, sex swings are. <laughs> and it's all in this really... Ah, yes, we all remember when we learned what a <laughs> sex swing was. Sex in the city. Mm. <laughs> so there's this, like, cute, wholesome side to it where the kids are kind of understanding what this is and then on one hand, they, they're sort of like they know what this is and they're making jokes and they're swearing and mm. saying the F word as well. So it's this like balance between like wholesome, oh, that's cute, they don't know what a ball gag is. And then, <laughs> you know, they're funny because they're swearing and they're yeah, getting yeah. up to mischief. Well, that's the thing. I know that, you know, when I was freshly 15, this would be the kind of movie that you I would have loved. Love. I yep. would have loved it. And there's, a, there's so much you can do with, like, the gross-out teen comedy that American Pie and those movies are kind of done to death. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of gone back even further and put this weird kind of lens of innocence over it, mm. which is a, is a weird angle to come at it from, but it's also kind of a fresh angle to come at it from. Yeah. And kids swearing will only get you so far, but I think that there's something kind of like there's like a renaissance at the moment of kid-led movies. You've got the kid-led mm. horrors like Stranger Things and It, mm -hmm. and now this is just the kid-led teen comedy. I think at the beginning the whole premise of this story is that the one of the main characters wants to go to this party where his crush is going to be. So he wants to be able to kiss her but he doesn't know how to kiss. Right. So they're like oh. uh, Google kissing and there's no child lock on that. So, you know, they see a bit more than <laughs> yeah, they need to. You can see how it snowballs, yeah. yeah. So who do you think should see Good Boys? If you want a bit of a laugh and you're not easily offended. I think, <laughs> <laughs> I think if you're a fan of American Pie. Right, or so any of those teen dramas, you'll enjoy this. I want revenge. Right till I can't no more. I want them to know that death is coming. Sylvester Stallone is reviving another one of his franchises. First, he brought back Rocky in the latest Creed movies, and now it's time for John Rambo. But given that Sly is at the ripe old age of 73, is this really, as the title suggests, 
Last Blood. I think it might be The Last Blood, Cambo. <laughs> this is uh, really stretching a franchise to its <laughs> degree. I, I don't know whether or not Stallone has another film in him, let alone another Rambo film. Like, uh, If Scorsese can still knock films out every other year. <laughs> and he's 80s, But he's passive. He's, he's not on the screen. Right, <laughs> um, no, but I think this definitely will probably be the last Stallone film in the franchise. Um, this one actually focuses on, because I think he's living in the States at this point, and he has to travel to Mexico to uh, rescue a friend's daughter. It's very think taken. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's the the concept they're going with. Um, and the director, Adrian Grunberg, he's he's no stranger to all out action films. <laughs> he's uh, directed Get the Gringo and co-directed Apop- Apocalypto, Jarhead and Jack Reacher Never Go Back. So I think the helming of this film will be very much in the similar fashion as the previous I do. I actually (laughs) find the Rambo series really interesting Mm. because if you look at where it started with First Blood, not even called Rambo at that point, just First Blood, Mm. it is like we're talking about Ad Astra. It's really a story of PTSD and someone that comes back from battle has this severe PTSD and ends up having to retreat into the wilderness and people are looking for him to try and help him and he can't understand that. And it was this weird introspective look at the effect of war on soldiers. Mm. And it was actually like it, it, it had a slight mixed reaction, but in time people, because that's actually quite a thoughtful movie. Then the rest of the Rambo series <laughs> just kind of became Rambo goes to a location and rescues a people <laughs> and it lost everything that the Rambo series had. And I think that that's a little bit sad. And this last blood seems to be somewhere right in the middle of that where it is a little bit more uh, unforgiven is a good example, like mm-hmm. a Western about aging and what it means to age and things like that. And it looks like in this John Rambo is showing signs of his age, mm-hmm. but it's also still he's going to a place and rescuing a person. Yes. So they haven't lost that trope either. So I, I'm so curious to where it's going to land on the Rambo spectrum. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting you say that because I've never seen a Rambo film. It's not kind of my sort of genre. But the thing is because you, you would know it by its reputation, Exactly. Right? Yes. Which is the yeah. big baldy guy, no shirt, big machine gun on his arm. Yeah. But First Blood was a small independent film that was financed by Stallone himself and it was just after Rocky so he's doing these interesting character pieces. Yeah. And it just got kind of bastardized into yeah. this action franchise almost just because it made money. All these years I've kept my secrets. But the time has come to face my past. And if it comes looking for me, they will welcome death. It's kind of like they were like, what if Home Alone was a Rambo movie? <laughs> because that's kind of what it is. Because it looks like it is set in one primary location, which is a huge house. Yeah. And they're coming for him and they're coming for him and the, and the, and the girl that he has to rescue. And he is not letting them in. He has so it, all these traps and stuff. Yeah. So it kind of is Kevin McAllister mm. <laughs> situation, but he has the 
the John Rambo headband and the knife and the bow and arrow. <laughs> it looked like one of the scenes from Hobbs and Shaw as well where they set up the explosion and the fire oh, yes. when the cars are coming towards the house and they're like set it off and then, yeah, all these booby traps and stuff and explosions. Well, it's the, it's the great – It's in the third act it's called Raiding the Castle and it, it's essentially one mm. big third act of a movie, mm. <laughs> which I guess makes sense because it's the third act of the franchise, Sean. It's, it's the ending. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Stallone did post on his Instagram uh, that he was very excited. He's like, what a great day. We've got our hard R rating. Oh, great. So, oh, so and in America, they're, they're quite um, strict on their ratings over there. It's different to Australia. Yes, but they, don't, they don't have an MA there. So it goes from PG-13, which is like our M15, mm-hmm. to R. <laughs> There's wow. nothing in between. <laughs> so, yeah, he was very excited that it had his R rating. So well, he just doesn't want anyone to think that he's a wuss. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make a hard R. It's, um, yeah. <laughs> and apart from everyone's dads. Who do you think should see Rambo Last Blood? <laughs> um, I think fans of Hobson Shaw or any of those, you know, recent Fast and Furious films, or if you just love an action-packed film, you're going to have a good time. Yeah, I'd be interested to um, count the bodies in this <laughs> one like they do in John Wick and yeah. see which one can, comes out higher. Now, for your chance to win a gold-class double pass, simply head to the Village Cinema's Facebook or Instagram page, look for the Cinema Crew post and answer the question... We are celebrating Ad Astra this week, so we want to know what your favourite space movie is. It's like, well, there's a whole genre to choose from, isn't it? There's a lot. Sci-fi in general. Simply leave your answer with the hashtag TheCinemaCrew for your chance to win. Next week, the true story of Michelle Payne in Ride Like a Girl. Spooky times with scary stories to tell in the dark. The bold adaption of the classic novel The Goldfinch and some offbeat indie zombies in the dead don't die. Until next time, thank you, Vari. Thank you. Thank you, Dan. Thank you. My name is Cambo, and this is The Cinema Crew with Village Cinemas. <laughs>